Today is going to be an exciting day as several people who have made decisions to commit themselves to Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord and be forgiven are going to publicly identify with Him through baptism. And baptism is important. Now, I know there are some circles where it's not viewed as very important, but in the New Testament, baptism is very important. And this morning, I want to help all of us understand what the New Testament teaches about baptism, what it means, why it is important, why it matters, and what it accomplishes. But I also want to help you understand that the New Testament teaches baptism does not wash away your sin. And baptism does not make you a Christian. Baptism does not make you a follower of Christ. It has a different meaning. It accomplishes something other than that. And I want, want to make certain you understand, when you, when you leave here today, it's important that you understand how to have a relationship with God, how to know your sins are forgiven, how to know you're prepared for eternity and for death as well as for life. And so we're going to look at all of that today because the truth is, as you and I exist naturally as human beings, we're not ready for eternity. And we're not ready for death. There's something that has to happen. There's something we have to do. There's an experience we must have to be prepared for eternity. And that matters because death is it's going to come. The Bible says it's appointed to every man. Every human being wants to die, and after this, the judgment. I'm going to die. You will die. That's just reality. Sometimes it happens unexpectedly. You remember a, a week ago, in the middle of the night, about 3.30 in the morning, I think it was, uh, in Nashville, when, when, when that man uh, opened fire and killed four people at the Waffle House. Shot, uh, I think, an employee and a guest outside the Waffle House and then went inside and continued shooting, killed two more guests before another patron wrestled the gun away from him and he, he escaped eventually to be caught. But uh, one of those victims, her funeral was yesterday. You see her there on the screen. 21 years old, the Ebony Groves, college student, I believe at Belmont. She and a friend had stopped at the Waffle House to eat. And some of you, you all remember when you were in college, your schedule was crazy? Remember all those midnight pizzas? That's when we started getting this. And so there, you know, it's, the, it's late at night, and they're at the Waffle House, and, and both of them die. But at her funeral, they talked about how they had interviewed survivors. And the Ebony and her friend, do you know what they were doing before they were shot? They were singing gospel songs. So here, here's she and her friend. They're in the Waffle House. It's 3.15, 3.30 in the morning, and, and they're singing gospel songs, singing praises to Jesus, and they're doing it so well, the other patrons start singing with them. And the last song they sang before dying, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Now, we, we've heard stories of mass shootings Far too often, it's pure evil, it's tragic, no words can describe it. And the last thing this sweet, beautiful young woman expected when she went to Waffle House with her friend that night, the last thing she expected was to die. But it happened. Most importantly, she was ready. Are you are you ready for eternity? That's why I want to help you understand how to be ready, how to have a relationship with Christ and understand 
baptism and what it really means and how it relates to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to begin by clearing up a, a misconception. It's what I mentioned a moment ago that some people think baptism washes away our sins. Those of you who are, who are history buffs will remember Sam Houston, who the, the, the city of, of Houston, Texas is named after because he was the military leader that after the fall of the Alamo led the Texans in defeating the Mexicans and winning their independence from Mexico. And before they became a state, Texas was a country, and he was the first president of the Republic of Texas. Now, Sam Houston read a pre, led a, a rough life. He wasn't exactly a, a godly man. He was kind of rough. He was a roughneck, if you will. And uh, when he was old, near the end of life, he made a decision to give his life to, to Jesus Christ. was baptized in a river. And uh, when he was being baptized, the preacher looked at him and said, Sam, your sins are washed away. And Sam Houston said, God help the fish. <laughs> but, you know, most of us at some point in life have heard that idea that, hey, your sins are washed away. Well, they are, but it's not through water and it's not through baptism. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. It's the blood of Jesus that washes away sin. Water can never cleanse you of sin. Water can never bring forgiveness. Water can never bring a new life. Water can never prepare anyone for eternity, but a relationship with the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ can and will. And so I want to help you understand what the true meaning, according to the New Testament, of baptism is and, and, and what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And to really help you understand New Testament baptism, we have to back up and let's talk a little bit about baptism in the Jewish faith, in the Old Testament, before Christ and before the church and before New Testament believers' baptism. Now, the Jewish people, as most of you know, were the blood descendants of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. And as a sign of the covenant between the Jewish people and God, every male child was circumcised. That did not make them a Jew. The fact that they are descendants, literal blood descendants of Abraham, made them a Jew. But that was a, a symbol, a sign of the covenant, of the relationship God had with them as the Jewish people. Now, what about people who were not Jews? Let's say a Gentile, a non-Jew, someone like you or me living in a neighboring country all those centuries ago, heard about the God of Israel and decided we wanted to believe in the God of Israel. We wanted to worship the God of Israel, the true God, the God that you and I today worship, God. So you're a Gentile. You're not a Jew. You can't become a Jew. What, what do you do? Well, they become what in the Bible was called a, a proselyte, what uh, in Jewish literature was called a proselyte, someone who's a Gentile, a non-Jew, who believes in, is committed to God, and, and, and they worship the God of Israel. So if a Gentile wanted to do that, there was three steps he went through if he was a man, two if he was a woman. If he wanted to be a, 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 a more than just a God-fearer, somebody who feared the God of Israel, believed in the God of Israel, but actually worshipped the God of Israel and identified with the people of God, if he was a male, he had to be circumcised. No matter his age. So that was the first step, if he was a man. The second step for men and women was to be baptized by immersion and 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 that's not what made them a believer in god it's what they did as a gentile 
to, to symbolize that they were giving up the old way, the old customs, the old habits, the old religion, the old thoughts, and they were new. Someone who believed in and worshipped the God of Israel, and so they would be baptized by immersion. And here's the thing. Jews were not baptized, only Gentiles, because they were converting from paganism to the worship of and commitment to God who had a special relationship with Israel. So they would be baptized by immersion as a symbol of that. And then the third step for a man or the second step for a woman was they would bring an animal and offer a sacrifice. And so that background is important to understanding New Testament baptism. So you jump ahead and you come to a man we call John the Baptist, the last great prophet before Jesus Christ, cousin to Jesus, preaches and prepares the way for Jesus' ministry. And if you have your Bible, you can look with me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. If not, the words are on the screen, or you can use your iPhone or Android or pad, whatever you have, to look it up. Mark, chapter 1, verse 4, the Bible says, And John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. So he wasn't in the city, he was out in the countryside by the Jordan River, actually, preaching, notice this, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. In other words, they were to repent and receive forgiveness and be baptized as evidence of that. So in verse 5 it tells us that all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem, the people from the city, so they were making this journey to the Jordan River. And notice that it says in verse 5, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now notice the connection. His was a his his was a, a baptism that symbolized they were confessing their sins. It was a baptism of repentance. You would repent, confess your sin, receive forgiveness, and then be baptized. But here's the difference between what he did and what had happened previously in Judaism when a Gentile wanted to convert to worship the God of Israel. John was baptizing both Gentiles and Jews. Because all Jerusalem, all the Jews, they were going out and they were listening and they were believing and they were confessing their sin, repenting, and they were being baptized. And the point is, John was saying, listen, it's not about your genealogy. It's not about who you're kin to. It's not about your heritage. It's not about your past. It's not about are you a Gentile or a Jew. It's about you're a human being and as such, you have the same need whether Jew or Gentile and that need is to repent. Repent is to say, hey, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I turn from that and I turn to God. It's a turnaround. It's an about face. It's a change of direction in life. It's an attitude that says, hey, I make this decision to, to trust in and depend on Jesus Christ. And so they were repenting of their sins and confessing their sins and they were baptized. Now this wasn't a New Testament Christian baptism. This wasn't really, you know, the baptism of Jesus. This was this was this was was him saying everybody needs to before before Christ and before the cross, everybody needs to con to confess sin and repent sin. Repent of sin. And then he was baptizing them as a way of symbolizing that Jew and Gentile. Now you jump ahead and here's Jesus. He preaches and he teaches and people become followers of Jesus Christ. And um, after his ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, just before he ascends back to the Father in heaven, 
Jesus gives his marching orders to his people, to his followers. And you find them in the last two verses of Matthew, the book just before Mark, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And here's what Jesus tells us. He says, go therefore and make disciples. We exist as a family of faith, as a church, love God, love people, and make disciples. Jesus said that's our purpose. Make disciples. A disciple is a student of, a learner of, a follower of, someone who's committed to a master. Make disciples. We're committed to Christ. Follow Christ. Make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all groups of people. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, and then teaching them. So Jesus says we're to go out and share his love, share his story, share the gospel so that people can become followers, become disciples. And when they become disciples, he said, then you are to baptize them and you are to teach them everything that I have taught you. And so the process of maturing, he says, is you accept Christ, you become a disciple, a student, a follower, you commit your life to Jesus, then you're baptized We'll talk about the meaning of that in a moment. But then you're baptized and you learn. And so our job as a family of faith, as a church, is to make disciples and baptize and teach so people can grow. Your job as a follower, as a human being, is to become a follower of Christ. And because you're a follower of Christ, then to be baptized and be a student and learn so that you can live for Christ. Jesus said that's, that's it. Now, let's look at how that actually happened in the early church, in the New Testament. If you have your Bible and you'd like to, you're invited to turn over to the book of Acts with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your New Testament. The next book is Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2. Jesus has now gone back to the Father in heaven. The very first followers, the very first church is in the city of Jerusalem. They're, they're Jews who become followers of Christ, believers in Christ. Today we would call them Messianic Jews. They're believers in Jesus as the Messiah. The Holy Spirit comes and it's during a, a festival, a holiday called Pentecost when, when people from all over the, the Middle East and parts of Europe and northern Africa would come to Jerusalem for the festival and, and there's thousands and thousands of people there. Peter stands up, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the disciples, and he preaches. Tells them about Jesus. Tells them about the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, and how they could be forgiven if they have a relationship with Christ. And in summary, I want you to look at what he said there in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. Sounds like John the Baptist, doesn't it? Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, so that you don't get confused and think repentance and baptism both are necessary for forgiveness Later in chapter 3, verse 19, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. See, if baptism was necessary for forgiveness, it would be mentioned every time it talks about it. Otherwise, those, that, that verse 19 would, would uh, give you an incomplete truth. It's the same idea that you repent of your sin, you confess your sin, and you're forgiven, and then the baptism is associated with it because it's an expression of your repentance. It's something you do to let people know you are a new person because you've repented of your sin. And so Peter finishes this sermon and large numbers of people respond. And let's go to the next slide. Look at chapter 2, verse 41. Those who received his word. In other words, those who heard the message of Peter, the gospel that he was preaching that day, and they received it, they acted on it, they believed it, they trusted it, they responded to it. What did they do next? What does it say, church? They were baptized. And that particular day, about 3,000. I'd, I'd love for that to happen. But do you see the pattern? 
It's a decision to turn to God, whether it's in a Gentile worshiping the God of Israel and becoming a proselyte and being baptized, or John's baptism, you repent and then you're baptized as a symbol of that repentance, or what Jesus said do and what happened here in the very first church is you repent of your sin, you receive forgiveness through the confession of your sin, you become a new person, you, you make a, a change, you commit your life in a different direction to the, to the Lord, to God, and then the baptism is the next step to give witness to that. It's a way of saying to people, I'm new because I have a new relationship with God. Now, let's just look at a few more passages real quickly, and then I'll summarize some things in the book of Acts as you see this happening in the early, the early church. Over in the book of Acts chapter 8, the church started growing so quickly in Jerusalem that persecution developed. And so a lot of the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem left Jerusalem and spread out to other parts of the Middle East. Some of them went up to the area of Samaria, which is north of Judea, north of Jerusalem. And uh, one of them was a man named Philip. He was what today we would call a deacon. He was a deacon in the church of Jerusalem. He makes his way up to this other country of Samaria. And uh, he starts telling people there about uh, Jesus Christ. And in verse 12 of chapter 8, it says, they believe Philip's preaching. When they believe what he was preaching about, the good news, notice this, the good news, the gospel, that's what good news is, of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, they heard him saying that through Jesus, you can become part of the kingdom of God. Through Jesus, you can become part of the family of God. Through Jesus, you can have a relationship with God. And the Bible says when they believed that, what did they do? They were then baptized because when they believed then they were baptized and then he talks about one man in particular named Simon who was a magician he made his money through you know uh, through uh, tricks and stuff you know uh, uh, he, he was he would have been a good entertainer today and he made his living that way and and uh, he be, he believed he's one of those and after he believed what does it say happened he was baptized now notice the pattern it's through all of these, all of these experiences, it's, it's belief, it's that change, it's that commitment, it's belief, it's a turn, it's repentance, and then baptism is the next step to give evidence, evidence of it. Now, later in chapter 8, Philip leaves Samaria and uh, he goes out to the desert area, the Gaza Strip, which is over on the, the coast near the, the Mediterranean, if you will. And while he's there, he sees this man from Ethiopia, a government official who had been to Jerusalem making his way back to Ethiopia, and he's riding in a chariot. He's reading a scroll of, of the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And Philip comes up to him and, and asks, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no, how can I unless somebody helps me, explains it to me. And so he invites Philip up into the chariot. Philip rides with him. And, and using that Old Testament scroll of Isaiah, Philip explains to him all about Jesus and how when you confess your sin, repent of your sin, and place your faith in Jesus, you're forgiven, and you can have a relationship with God. And he believes. He believes. They come to a, a place that's got some water. And they get out of the chariot. And in chapter 8, verse 38, they, they, they ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, the Ethiopian, and he 
baptized him. And again, it's the same, same pattern. Let me show you one more example, and then I want to wrap some things up for you, pull some things together. And in the book of Acts chapter 19, the, uh, the uh, apostle Paul, before he became the apostle Paul, was a, a Jewish leader named Saul. And um, he was a Pharisee, uh, which is a, a very strict religious sect within Judaism. And he was, he was one of the first ones to persecute the church. When the church was persecuted in Jerusalem, Saul was part of that persecution. And he's making his way to the city of Damascus, up in Syria. He's going to Damascus. And he has papers authorizing him to arrest followers of Jesus, confiscate their property, put them in jail, put them in prison, persecute them. But on his, on his way to Damascus, he has an experience that changes his life. There's this bright light, and it blinds him. And this voice, and it's Jesus, speaks to him. And, and, and Saul, who had been persecuting Christians, falls on his knees there on that road, and he, he becomes a believer, becomes Paul later. That's it becomes his Christian name. So Saul becomes Paul. And uh, notice that, that, that something like scales fall from his eyes. Remember, ever since he saw that bright light on the road, he was blind. And now that falls off, and he gets his sight. And he's, he's a believer in Christ. And what is the, what's the next thing, the first thing he does? He got up and was what? But again, do you see the sequencing? It's a decision of faith, a decision of repentance, a decision to turn, to change, to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And then... You're baptized as a result, a result of that. Now, this Paul, you jump ahead years. No longer is he, he's now not just, just a Christian, he, he's a preacher. He's not just a preacher, he's a missionary. He's the first great missionary of the, of the early church. And years ahead, he's on what we call his third missionary journey, traveling through Turkey and Greece and and uh, that part of the Middle East and, and Eastern Europe planting churches and winning people to faith in Christ. And he comes to a city called Ephesus, which would be uh, on the western tip of, of modern Turkey. And uh, when he gets there in chapter, chapter uh, 19, chapter 19, that uh, he passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and he found some disciples. He found some people there who had heard about Jesus and were believers in Jesus. But here's the thing. They'd heard about Jesus through John the Baptist who foretold that a Messiah was coming because it continues in verse 2. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. In other words, their teaching had been very incomplete. They knew a little bit, and so they were believers, but they didn't know much. They didn't. Their, their teaching wasn't full, it wasn't complete, it wasn't accurate. And so in verse 3, he said to them, into what then were you baptized? Tell me about your baptism. And they said, into John's baptism. Now you go back to before Jesus started the church, and here's John the Baptist preaching, hey, there's one coming after me who's greater than me. His sandals are such, I'm not even worthy to touch them. He's the Messiah. He's, going, he's the one that God has promised, the Father has promised. He's the one who's going to die so that you can be 
be saved and forgiven. He's the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. And somehow these people in Ephesus had heard John's preaching. They said, that sounds great. We believe that. And they had been baptized into John's baptism of repentance. But they didn't know anything else about Jesus. That's all they knew. And so Paul teaches them. And in verse 4, he says to them, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming. Not yet, but who was coming after him? That is, in Jesus, verse 5, and when they heard this, when they, when they heard the whole story and they knew more, notice this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, here's the thing. They're, they were already believers. They were baptized, but this was their second baptism because their first baptism was an incomplete baptism. It was a baptism looking forward to it. They didn't know the whole story. Now they knew what they were really trusting in was Jesus Christ, and they had believer's baptism, which was different than John's baptism. They had New Testament Christian baptism. And there are people today baptized as infants, had different types of baptism. But at that moment, that time, you didn't fully understand. You weren't necessarily committed to Jesus Christ. It happened for whatever reason it happened. You weren't a believer because in these stories, notice, every one of these stories, there's the same sequence. It was faith, then baptism as a profession of faith. It was belief, then baptism. It was a commitment to Jesus Christ then baptism, even for these in Ephesus who'd already been baptized only in the name in John the Baptist baptism. But they then understood and believed fully and were baptized. Now, that's the pattern, belief in them baptism. Now, the, the words in our English Bibles translated baptism, you see them there, and I don't have time to go into all of that. But basically, it's the word for for, for dipping, if, if you're going to dye something and you, 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 you dip it down in the dye to totally color it, it's the word that many times is, is translated drowning or to sink, to immerse, the Latin equivalent. You see there, immersio or submersio. And so this baptism, like when Philip baptized the Ethiopian, they go down into the water and they're baptized, they're immersed, and they come up. But baptism in the New Testament was always after belief belief came first so summarize baptism does not wash away sin and it does not save anybody it does not bring forgiveness to anybody faith and repentance do repenting of our sin confessing our sin believing faith commitment that brings forgiveness that brings salvation that puts us into a relationship with Jesus Christ so what is baptism Baptism is an outward act. It's an outward action, if you will, that pictures or symbolizes what's already happened in our heart and life. That we're new, we're somebody different because we've, we've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. We've repented of our sin and committed ourselves to Him. We've done that in here and it's real and we're new because of that. Baptism is then something we do to say, hey, that old me, when you go down in the water, that old me is buried, dead and buried. And when you come out of the water, that it's, it's the new me. I'm resurrected. I'm changed. I'm, I'm, I'm new because of that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it pictures. Now, I want you to notice in the New Testament, that was the pattern. That's the teaching. It shows it shows our commitment. It's also a command. Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. If he commanded the church to do that, then it is also a commandment to those who are followers of Christ 
to become a disciple, to be baptized, and to be taught, to learn, to grow. So baptism is important. It's not something that doesn't matter. It doesn't save us. It doesn't wash away our sin. But it is important because it's the first thing we're supposed to do to say to the world, I'm a believer and I'm committed to Jesus Christ. So in my own life, illustrate this way. I've had two experiences. One summer when I was at home, I prayed and invited Jesus Christ in my life. And I committed my life to him, and I was forgiven and became a Christian. That was in the summer. In January, I was baptized at my local church. My wife, Monisa, she was saved. She became a follower of Christ after listening to a preacher on the radio. And she prayed and committed her life to Christ and so on. And then she was later baptized at our local church on the same, at the same service when her mother, her mother, was uh, baptized. Two different experiences. They, they can happen, you know, an hour apart. They can happen a week apart. They can happen a year apart. But the point is, you receive Christ and then you're baptized to give testimony to that, to give witness to that. But the New Testament teaching is you don't wait forever to do that. Because when you give your life to Christ, you want the world to know. And so the next step is to follow Him publicly in believers' baptism, declaring, I am His. I belong to Him. I'm not ashamed of Him. I'm new. Because of Christ. And so I go back to where I started. Are you ready for eternity? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you come to the place where you've repented of your sin? You've confessed your sin and asked Jesus to forgive you? You've committed your life to Him and received Him as your Lord and Savior, and so you've received salvation and the gift of eternal life? If you have, then the next step is for you to be baptized. That's what these who are being baptized this morning are doing. They say we've, they're saying we, we've already received Christ and we want everybody to know it. But I know there are people in this room and some watching by television or live stream who have never given your life to Christ, never repented of your sin. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. I'd like for everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes, please, very reverently. And I'm going to pray for those of you who need to give your life to Christ right now. Father, I know there are men and women, teenagers and others in this place who are thinking about this very seriously. And maybe today, in a way different than before, they realize their need for a relationship with you. I pray for them, God, you would help them to have faith and to make a spiritual decision right now, a life-changing decision right now. And while you're listening to me, heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, and you're serious about this, you mean this, it's real to you, and you want this, you want a relationship with Christ, and you want to repent of your sin and be His disciple, be His follower, then you in your own heart pray with me right now this prayer, saying it to God. Just say it to Him and mean it. Dear Jesus, I know I have sinned and I'm not ready for eternity. I believe you died for me on the cross and I need forgiveness. Right now, Jesus, I repent of my sin. 
I confess my sin to you. And I ask you to forgive me. I receive you into my life. I commit myself to you right now. And I accept your gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing this prayer. For answering it. For forgiving me. For saving me. And for making me a new person. Help me be brave and strong. Help me to grow spiritually. Help me to learn your word the Bible. Help me to take the next steps I need to take. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Now everyone look up. We're going to stand in just a moment and sing a a song. It's a time of invitation when people are invited to come to the altar and kneel here and make decisions for Jesus. But if you prayed that prayer and, 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 and it was real, your next step is to publicly declare your faith through being baptized. And you can do that this morning, even if you didn't come prepared to do so. We have several being baptized. You can be part of it because we have everything you need. We have the clothing. We have everything you need. And see one of our pastors, Brother David over there, our youth pastor who just baptized his two daughters a moment ago. When we stand and sing, if you prayed that prayer with me and it's real and you'd like to be baptized, I want you to go to where Brother David is. Others of you may be prayed that prayer previously. You've committed your life to Jesus in the past, but you've not been baptized. You can go to where Brother David is. You can be baptized today. And they're going to take you out to a room, and some of our pastors and others are going to talk with you and answer your questions and prepare you, and you can be baptized this morning, and people will wait on you. We have everything you need, towels, clothing, everything. So when we sing, if you'd like to be baptized, you go to where Brother David is at this door. Others of you can come and kneel. Some of the altars missing because of the portable baptistry, but there's places here at the front to kneel and pray. Me and another pastor will be here. If you need to talk with one of us, we have uh, people who are ready to pray with you. You can come and somebody will pray with you. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, you're a Christian, but you need to get closer. You need to renew your relationship because you've strayed a little bit. You, you can come and rededicate today, and we're ready to help you with that. And then finally people who need to join this church and become part of our family of faith and help us in this community and around the world make a difference and and make disciples come and join our church family there. So let's stand and sing. Go to Brother David if you'd like to be baptized. Come and pray. People, come and pray for those who are being baptized. Come and pray for the Spirit of God to move today. So let's just start moving. Go to David if you want to be baptized. Come to the altar and pray or make a decision right now.